Welcome to the start of our, our series in Mark's Gospel. I'm glad you're here. I'm so glad you're here. And I hope that you will be here every Sunday for the next seven weeks. Um, we're going to look at Jesus. We're going to walk through the, the next chapter or two in Mark's Gospel. At All Souls, we, we love Jesus. We hope that you find a home here if you love him too. Uh, or if you're being drawn to him and want to find out more about him, I hope you will come every week and look together with us at this. Um, we love Jesus here, but I have to say, earlier on in our meeting, it sounded like you had quite a lot to talk about when I asked you, why doesn't everyone in the UK love Jesus? The truth is, most people in the UK don't love him. Um, a few are, are angry, most are indifferent, and then there's some maybe who, who pay lip service, but actually he makes no impact on their day-to-day lives. And the, the move away from Jesus has been so great that um, statistics people can now tell us or estimate when the last Church of England church will close its doors entirely empty. Do you want to know the date? Uh, the date is 2064 on current trends um, within the lifetime of most of us here in this room. And this series in Mark's Gospel, it's going to address that sense of panic that comes with um, decline like that. Because we, we look at that, we ask, what's gone wrong? And if we're not careful, we'll reach around for increasingly desperate solutions, which is to forget that Jesus was not exactly popular during his own earthly ministry. So um, by 2064, it may be that there is only one fact that the nation will still remember about Jesus, but I think it will be this one, that in the end, they hated him and crucified him. That's how unpopular he was. But um, I think even many Christians don't realize that that rejection, it was so early and so profound, so inevitably part of who Jesus was. So just look down at 3 verse 6 on page 1004. It's where we left Mark's gospel in May. It's the verse before where Natalie read for us. Chapter 3 verse 6. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. So you see we are, we're one page into Mark's gospel. There are another 13 chapters still to go, and already they want to kill him. This is much more than, you know, persuading a prime minister to resign and go away. This is much more. And for seven weeks, we're going to look at the chapters where Mark explains that. Why did they hate Jesus? Why did they want to kill him? And we're going to listen to Jesus as Mark collects um, events and parables that explain why he was rejected and also what we should do about it. So tonight's just the start, and we've got three things um, we're going to see tonight in the verses that Natalie read for us. So first of all, we've got God's king rejected by God's people. So look look down with me at 3 verse 6. It's been coming, this decision, all the way since the beginning of chapter 2. And if you remember back in May, what's happened is what began as a sort of theological disagreement has exploded out into a murder plot. And the people in our verse there, there are some serious people involved. 
Um, the Pharisees, they are not the, the pantomime baddies that we sometimes make them out to be. These are the core backbone of a highly popular and influential religious movement. These are the, the moral people, the good people in a society, their society, that wants to be moral and good and religious. And then the Herodians, they are the group around the king. King Herod, he's not um, so much moral, religious and good, but he is a serious player. He is um, second only to the emperor in Rome. So his is sort of political, military power. And you may know that um, those two groups, they really didn't get on, the Pharisees and the Herodians. But now something has united them because they both want Jesus' debt. So this is the leadership of religious Israel and political Israel united against a carpenter from Galilee. And if you want to know why, you could go back to those sermons in May. They're all on our website. You can listen to them again. What's really striking as the story flows is that in the end, they have to kill him. This, um, it wasn't plan A for them. It's not what they wanted. They wanted to include Jesus. They wanted to benefit from Jesus. They recognized they needed his power and his popularity. Um, just look across the page, chapter 2, verse 21, and you'll see Jesus is talking about clothes. It says, no one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. He's saying that is what is going on between them and him. Their whole way of life, it's like an old pair of trousers. And they want Jesus to help them patch it up. Um, Can we have some of your power from God? That would really help us. And all they want, all they want is just for Jesus to join them and fit in with them and their way of doing things. So they argue about forgiveness and fasting and the Sabbath. But Jesus, Jesus refuses to be their patch So 2 verse 21 goes on. He says, no, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. Or verse 22, it's the same thing, but with wine. says, the new is too new. He's saying, I will burst your system if you try and fit me into it. See, they want a Jesus who has come for the good, moral, religious people. Um, But look at 2 verse 17. Jesus said to them, it is not the healthy who need a doctor, but those who are ill. I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners. Uh, Back in chapter 1, his wonderful, generous offer is any sinner can be forgiven if they will repent and believe in him. And you'd think they would leap at an offer like that. And that's right, isn't it? Anyone who is ill and knows they're ill, is delighted to meet the doctor. Those of you here who are doctors, you've probably got a queue of us, you know, telling you about our aches and our pains and our would you just look at this spot or whatever it is. If you're ill, you'd love to see a doctor. But the Pharisees, they think they are spiritually good and spiritually healthy. So they reject Jesus. And in the end, because they can't persuade him to fit with them, their only option is to kill him. And as we 
go through Mark's gospel, you'll actually see that in the end, everyone has to make that choice. We're going through Mark's gospel on Monday nights at the moment in Christianity Explored. I'd love you to join us, bring any question you want to ask. In the end, though, you must either submit to Jesus' offer to be your savior and your king, or you must reject him and join the plot to kill him. Now, that's where we were five months ago. Um, five months ago, they've, they've been through that with Jesus. They've decided we want him dead. So now tonight, just think, how would you expect Jesus to respond? Uh, what are the options? How would you respond if you were Jesus? Uh, the leaders of church and state want you dead. What are your options? I think there is the fear response. So you could run away. You could hide, go and hide in the mountains. Um, then as well, there are the sort of the compromise options. I think maybe this is what Rishi and Boris uh, were doing last night. You could try and negotiate. You could say, you know, Jesus, say, I'm so sorry. I can see I was a bit hasty. Uh, maybe I will be willing to fit in and be your patch. Um, or Jesus, for him, there might be the aggressive options. Maybe Jesus starts gathering an army for a revolution. Maybe he takes some of his miracle-working power. It's not that smart of them. They know he can do anything. And maybe he starts in with the fire and the plagues. What will he do? What will Jesus do? And in our verses tonight, we see Jesus. And Jesus, he just simply starts again. I think this is stunning. God's king is rejected by God's people, and there is no fear from Jesus. There's no compromise, but also there's no aggression and no violence. He simply starts again. It's like he he looks at their rejection and simply shrugs and decides to go round them entirely. Jesus, he is breathtakingly confident. He's kind, he's calm, but he doesn't give an inch. And there's no sense that he thinks he needs to. In fact, what he does is is far more total than anything aggressive ever would be. Um, Let me try and illustrate that. We have a car. Um, Well, we sort of have a car. It's getting to the end of its life. Um, We're trying to kind of keep it going until a politician decides to give everyone in the country an electric car. I'm not sure it's going to happen, but um, that's our our plan. Um, And it's got to such a bad state, our car, that I've now had to leave it in a field. Okay, that's where it is. The, um, the garage told us that there was a five-month wait for the part I needed to mend it. So instead of pay tax on a, a blue lump of immobile metal, um, it's in a field okay, to be chewed on by sheep and to think about its behavior. Um, but um, it is still my car. Still my car. There's nothing final about what I've done. You know, the plan is to go and get it, take it to the garage, have the new part fixed, and then um, it'll come back and I'll go on enjoying parking it on my street. What is great about my street is that all the other cars in the street cost as much as a house. Um, and so I'm going to park my, you know, chewed mudguard, sheep-chewed car next to them again. It's going to be great. But one day, one day something else will happen. And on that day, you will see a different car parked outside my house. And that will be the day you know it is all over for the blue Skoda. And there's nothing more total that you can do, is there, than start all over again. So what I want us to do is just in our verses, let's look down and see what Jesus does. So at first, verse 7 
Looks like maybe he is afraid. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake. Uh, He's gone into his home territory. Maybe it's all over. He's gone into hiding with a few friends. But that is not at all what he has planned. A large crowd from Galilee followed. Okay, so there's some people. But so far, the Pharisees, the Herodians, they would not have been impressed. Galilee, they think, is the kind of place you, um, you look down on if you work for the king in the capital city. But actually, it doesn't stop with Galilee. Look at verse 8. When they heard all he was doing, many people came to him from, and they list all the list of places. Natalie, you did so well with the, um, the names that we had tonight. Now, I think most of us do something a bit sad when we come to a list of places in the Bible. We, um, we look at the names, we think, I don't really know where any of those are, and so our eyes kind of glaze over, and we, we skip over them and hope it doesn't matter, which is a shame, because sometimes it matters a lot, like tonight. But even without knowing where the places are, you can see that this is huge, can't you? Verse 9, verse 10, Jesus is so popular that he has a problem that no um, BBC security detail, I guess they're a bit busy right now, but no security detail could handle. The only way to stop this crowd from trampling him to death is to put six foot of water between him and them, get in a boat. And this great crowd, they're there to see him, to be healed by him, and even the demons are falling down and shouting that this is the Son of God. You see, it turns out that um, some people have rejected Jesus as God's son and God's king. The leaders have rejected him. But it turns out that the people, the crowds, the, the diseases and the demons did not get that memo. They can see that really this is God's king. Um, but let's look at the places. We're going to look at a little map. Um, okay, and we're just going to see where these places are. So Galilee, that's where he is, up by that lake. And Jerusalem is where the king and the Pharisees are from. And this huge crowd, it comes to him from Judea. Okay, that's um, down there. So Judea and Galilee. Um, that is what passes for Israel in their period. Two small areas, divided, separated, and under Roman control. But the, the crowd, it doesn't just come from there. Just look at where it comes from. It comes from Idumea. So that's down there. Then the regions across the Jordan. And then from Tyre and Sidon. Now, can you see what Mark is doing? I'm just going to run that back again. Um, we have Idumea that is south of Israel. We've got across the Jordan that is east of Israel. And then Tyre and Sidon are north of Israel. And given that the only other way you can go is damp, is the Mediterranean Sea, This is saying that they come to Jesus from all over. Um, Herod and the Pharisees, they have control of a a tiny part, a tiny remnant of old Israel. And in fact, the places on that map that we've just drawn, they're not even, even in Israel, in the normal ancient borders of Old Testament Israel. Tyre and Sidon, they're neighbors. Mark is taking us to a particular moment in Old Testament history. This is the kingdom of David. This is when David controlled all of the land stretching south and east and north. All those areas, all those people, whatever the leaders in Jerusalem think, those people, they want to be with Jesus. Um, Not that this is a popularity contest. See, by the time it gets to crucifixion week, 
crucifixion week in two years' time, actually it'll be largely the same crowd, and they will all vote to have Jesus killed. But what Mark is doing is a deliberate juxtaposition. So he, he's laying the people who reject Jesus next to the people who want to be with him. And um, The leaders, they reject Jesus, and they think they can kick him out of Israel. It were the leaders. And what they're going to do, they're going to take Israel with them and leave him out. They're going to take their toys and go and play somewhere else without him. And it really looks like they can, can't it? They have the army and the temple, the capital city, the throne, and the priesthood. And what Mark is doing is showing us that in reality they have nothing. Shadows and vapor. Israel, she gets her, her reality from her connection with God. And now God has sent his king. It's obvious who Jesus is. Even the demons can see it. So now Israel gets her reality from her connection to Jesus. So they, they think they've taken their toys back to Jerusalem with them. But they have gone back without God's king. So it is only a matter of time, 40 years actually, before the throne and the capital and the temple start turning to dust around them. But out there by the the lake in Galilee, in the despised place, there is Jesus. And he is God's king no matter what they think of him. And the people of David's great empire, they have begun to gather around him. So Herod, he has the leadership, but Jesus, he has the people. Okay, now let's just look at what he does with them. God's king renews his people, and that's the next paragraph. And I think that seeing what Jesus does when he is rejected, that will help us work out what to do today in a London that is rejecting Jesus. I think it will help us not to panic, and it will help us know what to keep doing even if not everybody likes him. So um, look at verse 13, see how it, it starts. Jesus went up on a mountain and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. Okay, so this looks like, you know, he's expanding the team. It's quite sensible, good kind of management theory. He's doing something clever. But then look at verse 14. He appointed 12 that they might be with him, and that he might send them out to preach. Now, I don't know, maybe, <clears throat> maybe you do with numbers in the Bible, the same thing you do with place names, you sort of skip over them, but 12 of them is not just a nice number. It's not just, you know, good for the breakout groups on Zoom. 12 is a number with a huge history. 12 is the number of the 12 tribes of Israel, So Jesus, he is not just building a movement. He's not just appointing leaders. He is starting all over again. And the Pharisees, the Herodians, they're part of something with 12 tribes, and they don't want Jesus included. Jesus, he doesn't get um, flustered, doesn't get fearful, he doesn't get angry. He just starts again. 12 new tribes led by um, these guys, Peter and James and John and Thaddeus and Bartholomew and Thomas and Andrew. 
Do you see how courageous, how dynamite that decision of Jesus was? Um, it's the same deal, actually, um, in our kind of democratic age. It's the same deal with the shadow cabinet. So this morning, Keir Starmer was stood about 10 yards away, just over there, being interviewed. And uh, if you watched it on the news, you might have seen me and the, the children of the All Souls um, Sunday School walking past um, behind him. Um, Keir Starmer, Keir Starmer is not leading a think tank. He's not leading a movement with a few ideas about how to improve the country. Every single job in government, he has somebody with that job title. He is a shadow chancellor, a shadow home secretary. And I couldn't hear what he was saying this morning to the TV cameras, but I'm willing to guess. I'm pretty sure it was make me prime minister. I think that's what he was saying. That is what he wants. So when the Son of God goes up a mountain and appoints 12 apostles, that is what he is doing. He is establishing the new government of his people, Israel. Israel was a a God-generated nation. God met them on a mountain, declared that these 12 tribes would be his chosen, precious people in roots. That's what we did last week, looking at that moment. And now God has sent his son, his king, and the leadership, well, they can reject him if they want, but they cannot take Israel with them and go and play without him. And the 12 that he names, they're not very impressive, not actually that the original 12 as we meet them in the Bible were either, but these are fishermen, these are Galileans, um, no one that Herod would have been that frightened of. And notice as well, we're not to think that Jesus will avoid death in the end. Um, Mark deliberately underlines the last name, Judas Iscariot, who betrayed him. But this is Jesus starting all over again. And I just want to say um, one word that I think is important. I need to underline this is not what is sometimes called replacement theology. Okay, There is a theology that says that God, well, he liked Jewish people in the Old Testament, but then he changed his mind and that uh, he then replaced Jewish people with Gentile people in his purposes. Um, Just notice that every single person in this chapter is Jewish. Um, The New Testament picture is that a Jewish man, Jesus, will rule forever and that his people will be led by 12 apostles who will join him on thrones and they will continue to be Jewish forever. And we are delighted, if we're not Jewish, delighted to be allowed to join them. But do you see what this is saying? Even if you are the high priest in Jerusalem or the king of Judea, It is not enough to be only Jewish. Um, You cannot stay God's people if you reject God's king. And actually, while we're here, for some reason, for 150 years, somehow we got the idea that it was enough to be English. I don't know where we thought that from. You could reject Jesus, but be English and God would like you. No, you cannot be God's people if you reject God's king. And the most loving thing we can offer to a Jewish friend is their Jewish Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, who came for anyone, anyone who knows that they are sinners and will doctor and heal and renew anyone who turns to him. Actually, the the shock in Mark's gospel is that later on, we see there is a way for Gentile people to join the new Israel. 
that Jesus starts in these verses. But if we're not Jewish, our offer always to our Jewish friends is always to our older brothers and older sisters who we are praying will rejoin their hope, not ours, their family, their Messiah, their King. But do you see where Jesus fits in all of this? This is is nothing like a modern democratic monarchy. King Charles III, he is a king in parliament, means he gets his legitimacy from us, from the people. But here, it is the other way round. The Lord Jesus, he is the, the generator, the source of all reality, but the reality of his people in particular. It comes from him. So we've heard this evening just a a little bit from Foley of what it is like living through a time when a a Christian denomination begins to reject Jesus and that there are hard decisions and painful splits. But even in these verses here, we can begin to see the shape of our response when people reject Jesus. So that the response is, is stick with him, gather to him. Reality comes from him. He is God's king, no matter what people think. But more than that, his response is these apostles. So stick with his apostles, with the twelve. Not just a sort of temporary leader, but a renewed twelve tribes. And let's just close by noticing what it is he sends them to do when everyone rejects him. Verse 14, they go out from being with him. And they go to preach and to drive back Satan with authority to drive out demons. So that is Jesus' plan for our world. His mission, it is of calling sinners to the forgiveness that he offers. It's the overthrow of Satan's ancient humiliation of the human race. And all of it, it goes through Jesus and through his apostles and through the words that he sends them out to preach. And in his day, what they wanted, they wanted to keep the temple and the city and the name Israel, but not have Jesus. And today, um, in our country, but also uh, sadly in our churches, people want to keep the churches and the titles and even the name Christian, but not Jesus, and certainly not what he said and the preaching of his apostles. And what Mark shows us here is the calm, unflinching response of the Lord Jesus. Reality comes from him, not the other way around. So he calls people to himself, gather to him, stick to him, stick with him. He is the Son of God. Well, let me lead us in a prayer, and then we're going to sing again. So our Father, we thank you for the Lord Jesus Christ, for who he was, for who he is. Thank you that you have made him king of all the world for all time. And thank you, Father, for his gospel message of forgiveness for anyone who will turn to him. And we ask, our Father, you would help us to stick with him, even in a city, in a country, where more and more do not follow him. Pray that we would stick with the Lord Jesus Christ and call others to turn to him as well. We ask in his name. Amen.